Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of this phenomenal podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something extremely exciting and extremely interesting and extremely relevant to each one of us. It's going to give you all access to a very, very special dimension, and that's going to come as a result of understanding a question and an answer in Jewish law. My name is Rabbi Shlomo Ezagui. I've authored a book on Jewish law, which encompasses all 14 volumes of Maimonides Rambam's Magnum Opus Mishneh Torah. It's called Maimonides' Advice for the 21st Century. I've also authored a book on spirituality, over 800 pages and 300 chapters. And that covers a tremendous amount of topics and subjects on the metaphysical, on the spiritual, on the soul, on God, on history, on tradition. An incredible book. And I upload... Um, every single week, a number of chapters on the Times of Israel blog, so you can check it out over there. And I'm working on another book right now, Physics of the Mystics, where I am demonstrating the connection between physics, science, quantum physics, as it is informed. Science is informed by the blueprint that is behind it, the knowledge of Kabbalah and mysticism, and this is what informs just recent discoveries by quantum um, quantum physics and all the scientists. What we studied and what we are connected and plugged into is finally being recognized by modern-day scientists. And today we're going to connect all those three dimensions together. Jewish law, spirituality, and quantum physics, as as they all come together, as you've maybe never understood or appreciated up until today's podcast. So hold on tight, and we are going to start by first explaining a Jewish law, and then getting into the idea of quantum physics, particles and waves, and uh, the way we focus determines um, whether we're going to remain just a particle or be able to extend ourselves into the realm of the waves. And sometimes, you know, riding the surf can be a lot of fun, a lot more than just sitting on the stable sand. Each one has its place. That's the truth. Okay, so let me first in- say, before I get into today's discussion, that really today's discussion is based on a commentary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Schneerson, on one of the rules in the Rambam, in Maimonides. And Maimonides says the following, by the way, most of everything that I teach comes from Rabbi Schneerson, and I write that very clearly in my introduction to the book on Maimonides, and very clearly um, I write that in my introduction to the book on spirituality, that the majority of everything that I teach is inspired and is wisdom and intelligence that has been taught by Rabbi Schneerson, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So, without any further ado, the Rebbe, Rabbi Schneerson, asks a question on one of the laws in the Rambam, in Maimonides. Maimonides says in regards to the prayer that we do at night, it's called Mairib, it's called the evening services. So the Rambam, he says the following. He says that the reason why we observe the evening prayer called Mairib is because it corresponds to the limbs that continued to burn on the altar overnight from the afternoon sacrifice. So for those that are not familiar, there were two sacrifices that needed to be brought on the altar every single day. 
the morning sacrifice and the afternoon sacrifice. Now, the limbs um, of the afternoon sacrifice would many times not be finished, burnt in the afternoon. And so it would continue burning on the altar late into the night. And this is um, a form of worship and a form of sacrifice, a form of um, elevating and bringing something before God. And it continues from the afternoon into the night. So says the Rambam, Maimonides, corresponding to this night, so to say, exercise of what was left over from the afternoon, the rabbis instituted the night prayer of Mairiv, of, of, of what's called Arvit. Now, that's a little bit difficult to understand because the Rambam says himself not very far from this statement that the three prayers that we do every single day have to be viewed in the following way, where the evening service is number one, the morning service is number two, and the afternoon service is number three. So according to what the Rambam Maimonides himself tells us, the first of all three is the evening service. However, in this other halacha, in this other law, the Rambam seems to be implying that the evening service is not the beginning of the next two that follow in the morning and the afternoon, but it appears that the evening service of the Ma'ariv is really a continuation and a an attention that is given to the afternoon service that continued on into the night. So we need to make up our mind. Is the night service a continuation of the afternoon or is the night service, the Ma'ariv, the first of the following day. So Rabbi Schneerson says the following, and this is where it is, as always, so beautiful and so mind-blowing. Rabbi Schneerson, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, says like this, there are two very, very important ideas in prayer. There is the underlying very, very powerful idea that the Talmud talks about, and that is prayer is avoida shabalev. It's a service to God of the heart. It's a service to God of the heart. What does that mean? It's a service to God of the heart. It is where we are submitting our heart. We are submitting ourselves, our feelings, our identity with, so to say, the kingdom of God. We are connecting, attaching ourselves to God. We are, so to say, divesting ourselves of our physicality. We are... As, as one of the translations of the word tefillah is to connect, to attach. And we are connecting and we are attaching ourselves with God. How do we do that? By meditating on the words of the prayer, by going through the order in which our great sages organized the prayer, and by recognizing the greatness of the angels who extol the praises of God and they can't even uh, um, uh, uh, satisfy themselves with this praise that they give of God because they feel God is much greater than any praise that they can give. And we recognize the greatness of God, and we recognize the influence of God in making the world and at every single moment, depending on Him for every single breath and everything else that we do in our prayer. And this makes a person forget of themselves because it takes them to a much greater place. It takes them to a place where they are attached to the source of everything, where everything becomes possible, where there's nothing ever to worry. And so this very deep bond 
that a person, so to say, develops in prayer, this is one aspect of prayer. There's another aspect of prayer, which is a very simple down-to-earth idea behind it, which actually makes it the biblical commandment that the Torah talks about that a person needs to pray to God every single day. It's a biblical command. When you pray to God, you are fulfilling the wish of God Almighty, creator of the entire universe. Imagine how a small little human being can get the attention of God by turning to God in prayer. You are fulfilling this tremendous, tremendous desire of God. That's what a mitzvah is. God has a desire that we pray to him. And when we do that, we call his attention to our prayer. Imagine how powerful we become when we pray to God. But the idea behind prayer is, as the Rambam himself tells us, a person, he asks for his own specific particular needs. It's not about so much picking yourself up into the clouds and focusing on the infinity of God and on the great praises of the angels and things of that sort, but it's more of a very down-to-earth kind of uh, 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 self-need uh, 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 that a person has. He's sick. He knows somebody else that is sick and not well. He needs success in his in, in his uh, parnasa and his livelihood. He has other needs of his family. And he's very self-centered. And he's thinking about himself, herself. And when he thinks about himself or herself, and he turns to God to come and offer him a reprieve of those needs, that is a very important and powerful other aspect to prayer. And so here, Rabbi Schneerson says, is a, so to say, a slight little two different perspectives that play a very important role in prayer. There's a rule that um, tells us that when you are looking at the 24-hour period based on the way God created the world, God created nature. So how did God create the world? How did God create nature? It says, There was night and there was day, and that was day one. There was night and there was day, and there was day two. So when it comes to the, the particles of the world, when it comes to nature as it was created as a natural past, present, and future, there is up, down, to the right, to the left. When it comes to the natural creation of physicality, so then the night precedes the day, the day precedes, it, it follows the night. And that's why, for example, Shabbat, how do we observe Shabbat? Shabbat always begins first at night, and then it follows with the next day. The holiday is the same way. We do the night, and then we have the next day. Our calendars, as far as the creation of time in the world goes, it's always the night, and then we do the next day. However, there is also a different perspective that we can have to life, to the world, and to our identity, and that is following a more elevated perspective, and that is the perspective of holiness, of Kodeshim, of sacrifices, of the temple, where things were on a much uh, purer and a much more refined and a more spiritual level. So when it comes to holy things, the rule is the night always follows the day. See that? 
So even though there is a perspective where the night starts things off and then you got the next day as Shabbat, the holidays, but then when the Torah tells us that you have to eat a sacrifice in one day, you would slaughter the animal during the day and you would have to eat it all up by the end of the following night. The night follows the day. So we have over here these two different perspectives to time, to the world, to existence. And therefore, it is possible that when you approach prayer and you approach prayer in such a way that you are on an elevated level, you're not looking at it so much as turning to God for your own needs, which is important and which is necessary and which is a commandment. And you're fulfilling something incredible. But there is even a deeper and a more elevated and a more refined way of approaching God. And then God takes care of your needs by itself. And you approach God from this level of where we said the main focus is attachment to the infinity. And that is dedication of the heart. And it's on a more spiritual kind of level. There, the night follows the day. And that is more similar to the rules of the temple. However, there is where the Rambam talks about the three different prayers and the night is what leads into the next day and into the next afternoon. That is when viewing the world and viewing life from a different perspective. So that's how Rabbi Schnurson answers the two different ways that the Rambam explains what is going on behind the evening prayer. Basically, on a deeper spiritual level, according to the explanation that Rabbi Schnitzen just gave us, the night prayer carries within itself this tremendous, tremendous combination of both a particle and a wave. It's what led Max Planck to give us the Planck constant, it's what Albert Einstein recognized that um, in the particle, there's always a leakage of the wave and things of that sort, where there's a combination of both possibilities, depending on how you view it. There is the wave, the Schrodinger's equation of the wave. But the truth of the matter is, even after the observer views things in a particular way and it collapses into the particle, there is still always at the fundamental, foundational level, the um, quantum mechanics that still very much uh, uh, influence everything that is, so to say, above that very true reality that never changes even when you only see the collapsed uh, wave and you only see the defined atom or the molecule or the particle there is in a certain kind of a place in every single particle the possibility of experiencing the wave. And that's what we see in the night prayer. Let me give you um, uh, um, a, a very, you know, uh, so to say, practical kind of, uh, of, of example of this. Many different times, Rabbi Schneerson would go to the burial place of his father-in-law. And at that burial place of his father-in-law, he would stay late into the night. And then 
he would come back to the synagogue, 770 Eastern Parkway, and he would do the prayers of the afternoon late into the night. And of course, everybody knew that it was long past the time. But if you were praying with the Rebbe, this incredible spiritual person, you knew that with his leadership, he could somehow surpass the limitations of time and connect us with something that was deeper beyond what is a normal particle. And so we would pray what needed to be finished already some time ago at a later time. This is precisely what we're talking about over here in explaining how the Rambam talks about the night prayer as a continuation of the day, as if the day is extended into, into the night, but it's nighttime. How can you be talking about the night when in terms of, of, of the past day? But that's possible when you elevate yourself to such a spiritual level and to such a spiritual degree. So it is possible as a person who is defined by the clock that is on their wristwatch or that is on their iPhone, it is possible to access this kind of tremendous deeper dimension of time where you are able to connect beyond the time, even while living with your two feet on on um, on the earth. Anyways, so uh, th this is a tremendous, tremendous insight. You know, we could discuss and talk about this in, in, in many different ways, but I think this is going to be something for you to think about and consider. And as many of you continue to do, to send me your emails with your feedback and your questions, let me know what you think of this tremendous recognition of how in our halacha, in our Jewish law, we recognize, and this is just one example, and God willing, in the future, I will share with you many different examples that the um, recognition and understanding that uh, the essence of everything, there is this, so to say, indeterminate kind of energy, which uh, is an expansion of what later on becomes finite into the limitations of the particle, this is something that Jewish law and that Jewish practice really has infused in it throughout many different practices, where although on the surface superficial level, things have to be measured in very finite ways, the size of your tefillin, the phylacteries that men wear on their head and on their hand, or the size of the lulav and the esrin. On the other hand, we find that stories in which people or great tzaddikim were able to not only themselves, but to take the people that were attached and connected with them to experiences and places that went beyond what is normally experienced only as the physical dimensions of the physical now, yesterday, and tomorrow. So we're going to leave it at this, I think, for today. I hope you enjoy it. I'm, of course, always encouraging you to give me your feedback. And that's at my email. And my email address is physicsofthemystics at gmail.com. Physicsofthemystics at gmail.com is where you send me your feedback about these incredible, phenomenal um, insights.